0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Fat Fudge. If you've never tried it, this is essentially coffee meets fudge meets energy bomb and it's delicious. Invented by my friend Mary Shinoda, this on-the-go food is nutrient-dense and delicious. I often travel with a few of these in my suitcase for a quick breakfast or a meal if there aren't good food options whenever I'm traveling. Wellness Mama listeners can get a discount 20% off with the code wellnessmama, all one word wellnessmama at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash fat fudge that's p-h-a-t dash f-u-d-g-e so fat dash fudge this podcast is brought to you by beekeepers naturals humans have been benefiting from bees and their nourishing superfoods since prehistoric times From Cleopatra using honey to keep her youthful glow, to Hippocrates prescribing propolis to cure everything from sores to bacterial infection. Our healing relationship with bees goes way back. Beekeepers Naturals is dedicated to bringing the age-old benefits of bee products into modern times, and they offer really high-quality propolis, royal jelly, bee pollen, and raw honey with many other products, and all of these are sustainably sourced from a company that's dedicated to protecting and improving the bee population. My personal favorites are their propolis spray, which helped me to head off a scratchy throat and their bee elixir mix, which is a mixture of all of those ingredients. And it's a natural nootropic that I use on busy days. You can check them out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers. All one word wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from WellnessMama.com and I'm here today with a really fun guest. I think we're going to have a great chat about some topics that are really important to moms. Dr. BJ Hardick is an organic food fanatic, a green living aficionado, and he spent the majority of his life in natural health care from the time actually he was a child. This is a topic he's known about. He's a chiropractor. Um, he has a book called Maximized Living Nutrition Plans, which has been used in over 500 health clinics. He also is, has been featured on Mind Body Green, Food Matters, and the Huffington Post. He's on the board of managers for Max Living, which is a chiropractic organization dedicated to professional development. And he's presently writing their next publication, Align Your Health. And he's a, an amazing chiropractor and has an amazing mission. And I can't wait to jump in. Dr. Hardick, welcome.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And please call me BJ.
1: All Right, BJ. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, I love always kind of starting with someone's story so that those listening can get an idea of where you come from. And yours is pretty awesome. So can you kind of just start from the beginning and tell us your story and how you got into health?
0: Absolutely. You know, um, where do I even start? You know, I know my parents always had just this concept, this underlying philosophy that really we were created to be healthy, you know, and, uh, you know, in, even in the early days before there was a lot of education or a lot of access to information, they just really, uh, uh, they really aligned with the philosophy that the body was supposed to work properly provided we don't mess it up, you know? So uh, I, I know even before I was born, you know, my mom really, really struggled with the fact that, um, that I was in I guess I was a difficult pregnancy for her and she really really struggled with the fact that uh, You know, I was a c-section baby, but what they realized was okay My mom admitted she, she's like I lived in this lifestyle where I wore high heels and I sat at a desk for so many years of my life I twisted my pelvis. I didn't really take very good care of my pelvic floor. I didn't work out years later she's like, you know, I recognized that I had to have a medical intervention because Probably I could have taken better care of myself. Now that, that's nothing to say if there's anything wrong with, you know um, uh, Somebody shouldn't be shamed because they have to have a c-section but but again I understood right from those early days in terms of even how I'd made it onto this earth that my mom's f- Feeling always was that the body was designed to operate in accordance with natural law It was designed to work properly from the get-go and uh, you know, I think even in those early days You know my mom felt really really Felt really really bad that I was a C section or something, but she recognized that she had a really really twisted pelvis, which really you know kind of interests to the whole chiropractic world. She didn't know a whole lot about that until she got very involved in chiropractic. But in those early days, you know, the theory was always, you know, hey, how was the body supposed to work in terms of what are the foods that we're supposed to eat? Uh, You know, what's the amount of sleep that we're supposed to get? Uh, You know, how can we listen to our bodies? Because, again, back then there wasn't a lot of education, a lot of information. It was really, really going on upon a lot of instinct. What's been very, very exciting is as we've moved forward, we've seen that, you know, there's so much science to support this innate way of living. You know, we see now everything's considered um, ancestral living or like trying to live like our ancestors. But I think that was always my parents. Philosophy from the get-go it was that if something wasn't working out ideally It's like what did we potentially do that could have interfered with the body's natural processes? You know and again same thing so again if the body was run down It was like, you know, why did the body get run down? My parents never raised me to think hey, just what bug did you pick up? because We know that all kids got exposed to bugs but it was a question of hey so why did my body get run down why did my body become a little more succumb to one of those bugs or one of those germs at school as opposed to the other kids who didn't you know and certainly Um, What were the kids doing who were able to fight off all those infections? Or, or for instance, what, what were the kids that only spent one day at home instead of one week at home? You know, what were they doing differently? So as opposed to looking at what's going on in the environment, the perspective was to say, what can we do that best reflects the innate wishes of the body so the body can operate as best as it possibly can, giving the body its own strength to live an abundant, healthy life? Beat disease thrive as best as we possibly can within our own limitations of matter But certainly trusting in the body's innate potential and ability to always heal and that really I mean that really always was the Chiropractic philosophy um, and that always was the philosophy of my family as well as you know again Look at the way the body was designed don't interfere with the natural processes and be able to thrive and love life and live a healthy expressive life just don't interfere with the natural processes because the body was designed to be healthy from day one.
1: Yeah, I love that. But you also, you went through some health struggles of your own, didn't you? That like kind of formed your opinion?
0: Absolutely. You know, so so even though, uh, you know, my parents, you know, very much had this this, this concept of saying, okay, hey, so, you know, the, obviously it makes sense if you look at the way, I, I would say my, my nutrition plan, you look, and you look look at how the world is formed, look down at the world from outer space, you know, the world is, um you know, 70% water. And the body is like close to 70% water. So what's the number one thing we should be eating? Uh, Water, you know, then you look down at earth. What do you see a lot of green? Okay The next thing that should be going to the body a lot of greens, you know So my parents based all of the nutrition choices as best as possible on you know What foods would be naturally available to my own um, indigenous environment trying to get foods as close to the earth Getting those into the body now none of us were perfect many of us, you know strayed through high school and college And I was certainly one of them Uh, but it is true that even trying to live a great healthy lifestyle Uh, It is true that in North America, um, uh, you know, we do live in a uh, polluted uh, um, uh, part of the world, you know, and it's very interesting because, you know, through even though I was living quite well, it is um, uh, once I got um, into my earlier years of professional practice, I started developing, you know, severe digestive issues. And of course, I thought, you know, what am I missing? What am I am I am I missing certain nutrients or something or I do have a food sensitivity? Um, It was actually dealing with, you know, severe heavy metal toxicity, which is something that Um, You know toxicity itself. I've written um, I've written a publication on this um, And I've written a bunch of articles on my website as well I mean toxicity is a real thing I mean that is something that we have to face um, living in North America um, because it is in the environment It is in certain foods. It is in our soils I mean this this is this is really the whole reason the organic food movement has existed is because of this concern of Accumulative uh, toxicity over someone's lifetime. Um, So I was you know, uh, so I was certainly raised to live this, um, um, as close to organic and healthy lifestyle as possible. Um, but no, I mean, I found out years later I was dealing with like severe mercury toxicity, severe um, uh, lead, uh, and nickel toxicity as well. Um, and that actually got me, uh, um, you know, really going pretty hardcore down the path of, um, you know, detoxification purification. That's when I really, really ramped up my own nutrition plan. That's when I wrote the first nutrition book because I realized that, you know, just trying to live the basics of just trying to say, Hey, we eat a lot of fruit, we eat a lot of vegetables, just doing the basics that that would be an ideal model if we didn't live in a, uh, a dirtier part of the planet, um, where we weren't, you know, literally, you know, um, exposed to, uh, you know, petrochemicals chemicals in everything from, uh, the personal care products that we use, which was completely off the radar for my parents way back then. Uh, you know, even in the, uh, uh the plastic containers that we store food in, I mean, we can go on about, you know, air quality in homes, but so, you know, detoxification became, uh, uh more important to me, I say in the last 10 to 15 years. But again, what does that come down to? It comes back down to that philosophy of saying, you know, the body was designed to function properly. Let's not mess up the body's innate wishes, you know? So as a As a chiropractor, that philosophy was always anchored um, in in the understanding that if we distort the physical structure of the body, that that can distort the functioning of the body. Well, I also realized that there can can be chemical interference in the body, you know, so there can be, uh, you know, chemical stressors. Even if we're getting in the right nutrients, I find nowadays when people really, really want to conquer their health Um, challenges they have to not just so much look at what they need to get into the body but also you know what do they need to get out you know what do they what do they need to remove and eliminate and that would be obviously the concern about toxicity and toxicants is that answering your question
1: Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the the detox side because I feel like this is an area where there's so much information out there and a lot of it's conflicting. And I think, at least from what I've read, some of the things that are recommended online could actually be harmful or create more problems if you don't know what you're doing. And I know this is an area you've researched a ton. So I'd love if you could kind of um, walk us through your approach, what you did yourself, and then also like what you would encourage someone who just like needs to live a healthier life and is trying to like detoxify their own body, like where would they start?
0: Fantastic. Well, you know, I, I, I believe I, I would say that there are, um, um, three kind of levels when it comes to detox. You know, I do certainly believe that there's a basic level of detox that everyone can do on a day in and day out basis. And I mean, those are really, really like the general practices that most of us know and love. I mean, we certainly know that, I mean, to sum up the research, you know, the more phytonutrients we get in the body, the more plant-based foods, um, the better that does. Um, stimulate the body's natural detoxification pathways. I think Katie, a lot of people think of detox as something that is uh, more clinical than it needs to be. Um, you know, I know some folks that might not fully understand detox. They would, they, they've, they've said, um, certain things like, Hey, your body, your, your body's supposed to detox. You have a liver. Well, yes, that's, you're right. But, but the liver can be stressed, you know, glutathione can get run down and your detoxification. Um, abilities can become run down and stressed significantly. And when it does, your body now has a limited ability to clear those environmental pollutants out of the body, which should not be in there. So the, the reality is, Yes, the body should be detoxing on a day-in and day-out basis and the basic things people can do obviously Yes, lots of water lots of fiber lots of fresh air lots of phytonutrients that come from vegetables We know all of these things do contribute to both intracellular detoxification because those uh, provide antioxidants to the body Um, definitely when people consume raw foods Uh, both plant form, but certainly when people do consume, you know, raw meats, you know, liver, kidney, this type of thing, it's probably not as not as popular, you know, raw eggs and so forth. But uh, the actual top sources of, you know, whole food glutathione are in raw vegetables. And again, that's your body's number one antioxidant that does contribute to, you know, cleaning out those cells, getting rid of the environmental pollutants that shouldn't be in there. That's that's the intracellular piece of detox. And then you have Extracellular detox which is you know once you once you clear out those cells because it's it's quite easy for somebody to take um, Antioxidants or glutathione maybe in a liposomal form or an acetylated form But 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 then you need to make sure that you're flushing that through the body and that's where you know on the very very basic level This is where you look at um, you know again How are we designed to live certainly consuming a lot of plants uh, also, one of the other basic things people can doing for you to, for basic detoxification is um, some carbon-based elements. you know, uh, you, you go to any health food store, and some of the top things they'll recommend for detoxification would be uh, bentonite clay, um, activated charcoal, uh, diatomaceous earth. And you know, I was with another speaker years ago, uh, just a couple years ago at a seminar, and um, he brought up the perspective that you know, because we've now modernized our lives, and we're living inside these homes and we have really detached ourselves from the earth, you know, human beings, like we're, 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 um, we're far more, um, sanitized than we ever used to be. And we're, we've become the only species now that somehow isn't like inhaling earthly elements on a regular basis. In fact, every other element somehow is, you know, either eating or sniffing the earth. I mean, it sounds gross, but when you think about it, it's true, you know, so now we, we've actually lost that inhalation of, uh, earthly elements. And so frankly, we find when we do get those in the body, those are magnets. They do trap uh, 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 endogenous materials that shouldn't be in there. They do get it through the body. So that's where, you know, you hear about people that, you know, they spend a week in the rainforest and they feel great. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're they're inhaling the earth and they're probably getting it in through some of their foods. Um, you know, even, you know, we, we, we wash every last uh, fruit and vegetable. We want everything so perfectly clean. And I'm not suggesting that anybody, uh, you know, has uh, 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 food from unclean sources, but at the same time, you know, soil-based organisms, you know, eating some of those earthly elements um, does help to cleanse the body, so get the nutrients in as well. So those are basic things that people can do, and I think people understand that this is, again, respecting, you know, the way the body was designed to operate in the first place. I mean, it is so bad, the amount of time people spend indoors now and uh, I think more and more, as my life has gone on, I've just I, i'm I'm constantly looking for a way to get outdoors every single day. You know, and again, part of it is just I feel that I operate better. Um, I live in a fairly northern climate I'm in Canada yes it's cold but I still know that when I'm outside I'm getting fresh air I'm getting uh, you know obviously I'm getting activation of vitamin D which benefits my immune system and tons of other uh, functions in my body but getting outside does contribute to detoxification and I say hey people if they if they're not good at getting veggies in hey get those things in through like a greens drink or a greens powder or something but get those things in because those will help you know to kind of you know um, flush and clear the body both like on an intracellular and an extracellular cellular, uh, basis. And that's, and that's so key, but, but then you get into the more advanced and like clinical levels of detox. And, you know, the way I think about that is this, is that, you know, I firmly believe that, you know, the, the body was designed to, you know, detoxify from say, you know, uh, maybe fungus from some mushrooms growing under a tree. The body was certainly designed to detoxify from smoke from a coal, uh, coal fire for instance, but we've now created Uh, petrochemical products and some of these are in personal care products that go on our skin they do get into the body i know in my case i was severely toxic with mercury um, so that was, you know, uh, ten times higher than what was. Sorry, mine was um, five times higher than what was considered the acceptable level of mercury um, in my body at the age of thirty. So, you know, my personal belief is that, you know, our body's detoxification abilities have become very, very stressed because we're we're no longer just dealing with that little bit of, you know, fungal toxicity from some mushrooms in the environment. We're we're actually dealing with, you know, man-made chemicals that. Um, really, you know, I mean, should 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 not be in our bodies. You know, they should not be in care products that we, you know, smear onto our skins um, and some, sometimes get in the body in other fa- in in other fashions. And and the the, the biggest concern um, with the organic mood, food movement, for instance, has mm-hmm. never so much been that you know one single um, inhalation or absorption or swallowing of a of a small dose of the chemical once would be a problem, but but that it is the concern about the long term exposure to these things. And, um, that's prob- that's certainly where the movement feels that a lot of the this, this studies are lacking, you know? So my personal you know, experience has been that, yes, I mean, I have been tested for, uh, you know, toxicity and it has been real. And at that, and at that point, that's where I have had to seek, um, professional expertise. And what I mean by that is my body has become, my body became so stressed where, you know, like my glutathione, um, levels were down, uh, my heavy metal levels were so high you know, my body couldn't just, Quickly clear that just because I ate more fruits and vegetables. I needed to do some more advanced supplementation And that's really where I really see the um you know, the world in the United States certainly look at like what's going on with the Institute of Functional Medicine um, things that a lot of the doctors involved There are doing um, you know other very very advanced uh, medical doctors and progressive naturopathic doctors are doing They're really looking at like wait, How can we get to these advanced levels of detoxification that maybe people can't achieve on their own? So I would say in any of these, you know, there, there's lifestyle choices that people want to be able to make which is minimizing um, Minimizing the you know chemicals in their life um, and again, I know that no. I know that those that might contest the word chemicals will say, well, everything is chemical. Yes, I get it. But go back to that that philosophy. How was the body designed to operate? You know, where were, were we designed to be, um, you know, having our having our, um, uh, you know, babies, you know, chew on toys and soothers that are made of uh, petrochemicals. The answer is no. You know, so this is something that human beings did. And uh, the the book that I highly recommend for people if they really, really want to dig deep into the science. Well, and first of all, I'll offer this to your audience. But. I did put together an ebook called Real Detox, which goes through my whole story, which we'll talk about more if you want. But uh, it's just on drhardick.com/slash-real-dash-detox. And again, I go through my whole story in terms of how I, you know, discovered that I was dealing with high mercury and lead, and what I did to get it out, um, and what that process looked like. And I go through specific supplementation that I did, and uh, ones that others might consider, certain foods that certain others might consider, and and how they can also test themselves. Test their environments, test their homes. That's all in my my ebook, Real Detox, on my website. Um, but then, you know, um, the other great book is called Slow Death by Rubber Duck. Have
1: you seen that one? I have heard of it. I haven't read it yet.
0: It, I mean, it is amazing. It's by two genius guys right here in Canada, actually. And I mean, you look at the realities of just—I mean, you know—even you just look at the realities of just you know um, the slow leaching of chemicals and foods, water, the air that we breathe—and a lot of it's because of our modernized, industrialized society. So it is a—it is a significant, legitimate concern, and uh, that's where you know. So in Max Living, we talk about there being like five essentials to a healthy body, um, everything from like a healthy nervous system and healthy nutrition and healthy oxygenation through exercise and uh and then certainly a healthy mindset as well. Um, I wish we didn't have to have the other essential which was like minimizing toxins, but minimizing toxins is so critical in the 21st century.
1: I agree 100% and it's sad to think cuz I agree when people say like in a perfect world the body would just naturally detoxify. That's true, but unfortunately we don't live in a perfect world. And I say that to parents all the time like we have we have a unique responsibility in today's world to be proactive with our kids because Um, Like for those of us like you and me who have already been through health struggles, you don't want to wait till you have to be reactive and have to like undo all the damage. And I think that's when moms have a really unique position is that we can, like your parents did, try like to the best of our knowledge, try to like raise our kids in a less toxic environment and to support the body and keeping out the harmful levels of things. And um, I know for me, like a big area of research has been plastic exposure because when I started researching this literally like it sent chills down my spine because they're finding plastic under 30 feet of ice in on the ice caps the polar ice caps and this is not normal basically the entire earth is saturated now with these chemicals that are endocrine mimickers and they have all these horrible effects on the body and they are everywhere so I'm with you on that I think it's a big problem unfortunately we don't live in a non-toxic world um and there are things like you mentioned, like just going outside, spending more time getting vitamin D or in contact with the earth that are wonderful and free. But sometimes we do have to be a little more proactive. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. How did you recover your health once you had gotten to that point of heavy metal poisoning?
0: Yeah, so I was working with, um, with an integrative practitioner from the United States and uh, I had actually had some lab work done. Um, You know, so for folks that actually do, you know, because there does come a point where and and this is where, you know, I I hope that my biggest message for anyone and everyone is always that when when you are struggling in health in your health, you know, never give up on the principle of what you're saying there, Katie, but sometimes reevaluate the application or the practice of it, meaning, you know, the, the principle is still that the body is designed to heal itself. It just needs no interference. But I mean, that doesn't come just because you snap your fingers, you know, um, you know, so for instance, you might think, okay, well, I've, I've done what I can to detox. Well, did you take the, that many layers further? You know, so, so in some people's cases, they literally do need to take it many layers further and get, get some of the proper testing done, you know? So, you know, like doctors data, for instance, um, is probably the leading company in, in the United States that, uh, you know, doctors turn to, to order like urine toxic metals tests, I mean, and again, this is in this is in my ebook because I just, I just wanted people to know, you know, kind of what I went through. But again, I had all of my urine toxic metals um, tested. And of course, I had to do a supplement while I was doing that. I had to do a chelating agent. If you actually look at the word chelating, um, it, it uh, by translation, it means you're it's like it's like you're clawing something out. And again, there are chelating agents that that are aggressively, you know, bind up heavy metals. So, you know, I had to take a I had to take a 24 hour test, uh, take a chelating agent. Um, you know, back then I used DMSA, but, you know, through the years, you know, different doctors have, um, you know, done a DMSA, they've done DMPS, but, um, oh, EDTA, but, but I basically took a a chelating agent for 24 hours, uh, peed into a jar for 24 hours, uh, took that sample, sent it in. And then sure enough, what, what the tests showed is that although the, um, the acceptable level level of mercury would have been considered a five, mine was like a 27, and it was completely off the chart. And the gentleman from the lab looked at it and said, "That is the highest level of mercury that I've ever seen on any of these tests." Now, what's interesting is that you know we looked at them, my mom's tests as well, and her tests also showed that she was that high in mercury. Um, and actually, all the all the all the mercury levels that were also all of the seventeen levels that showed up high in me the exact same metals also in the same concentrations in terms of in their uh, their magnitude were also high in my mom you know so it was a real wake-up call that like you know i probably did have a lot of that passed into me through breast milk you know obviously when in the early years of neurological development um you know obviously a, a baby's very vulnerable um uh, there's also evidence that um uh, uh, heavy metals can cross through through the placenta uh, a lot of the people that have done the research here have been the uh, very, very almost like the functional medicine group of the dentists, you know, because dentists for many years have um, handled mercury and dealt with heavy metals. So there is a whole wing of dentistry called the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. And they've actually, you know, spearheaded a lot of the research to identify, you know, some of the um, um, risks and such associated with uh, uh, mercury, and you know, but but they've all, but they've also been able to put together a lot of the information identifying that, yeah, like mercury can p- pass through um, the placenta. Uh, there's been even on CNN a couple years ago, you know, Sanjay Gupta. I have a video that I play in my seminars of of Sanjay Gupta. I mean, this is this is mainstream news. This is no longer health food store stuff. This is like you're getting it on CNN, which which, uh, you know, now, now CNN's whole slogan is to say, like, we're not fake news, but they themselves are reporting on the fact that like chemicals can be found in babies before they're born, you know? So fetal cord blood has tested high for hundreds of chemicals. Um, you know, Environmental Working Group has done a bunch of these tests as well. So we know that yes, you know, poisons can get into the baby before the baby is even born. And you know, listen, this isn't about being, you know, um, hopeless. It's not to then have the perspective to think, oh, what can we possibly do? We're all born toxic. No, no, no. Listen, this, this is the, these are the cards that were dealt. I personally have learned so much about health life experience longevity by going through this process you know i've chosen to see the process as one of a learning experience and one one that one way in which i can help other people and get a better sense for how i can better take care of me my family the earth as well because i do believe that when we follow this principle that we can have a healthier planet and healthier communities and healthier families and so forth but you know at the end of the day um I had a lot of this probably come into me, you know, via my mom from, uh, you know, my mom was in the lead, like she was in the lead generation, you know, so, you know, they, they were back in the day of, you know, leaded, um, um, you know, lead gas, lead paint. Uh, I even spoke with um, people in her generation as well, where, uh, like when you would, when you would do upgrades, when you would like paint your house, I mean, like the, you, uh, you would, you would get an upgrade to use like lead paint back then. Uh, you know, so this was in their environments. Uh, you know, I know there's plenty of folks that, um, uh, that I met with again. This this we don't see as much as often, but there was there was a, such a thing that was you know mercury was in paints historically as well. Um, we know that uh, there's all kinds of ways we get the stuff in our body. I mean, uh, certainly Jeremy Piven, well-known and kind of prominent actor, not too many years ago, he came out quite public about his um, issues with severe mercury toxicity. He felt that he got a lot of his from eating a lot of raw fish. Uh, and cause we do know that, you know, Hey, uh, you know, moms are told when they're pregnant, don't eat much fish because of the mercury concentration. So this all, we never know. There's just any one source, but certainly the concern is once it gets into the body, let's make sure we take some specific e- efforts to best enable the body to eliminate that. So I had to go through a process. I got tested, found out that it was very, very high. And then for me back then, you know, I had to do uh, some very, very specific supplementation and detoxification protocols for, Um, you know for about a year and a half, you know, because again, the the body can't heal overnight And the body can't heal overnight. It was never designed to heal overnight However, you know one thing that I'll often tell people is you know, never lose hope in the body's ability to heal itself You know one thing to remember and this this kind of goes back to the whole chiropractic philosophy It goes back to a lot of the philosophies of eastern medicine is that although like the although the physical matter of the body gets old and weak and tired and might get wrinkly through your lifetime don't ever forget that what 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 we say in chiropractic is the power that made you is still the power that heals you, you know, and that inborn innate intelligence that is strong from the time you're born until the time that you die, you know, so never underestimate the power of the body to heal itself. Yes, there are limitations of matter and yes, there is aging. You know, but again, you know, when the body can move, when the body can operate, there is that life in the body. And most, you know, Eastern medicine and chiropractic principles and vitalistic principles are all about not just so much focusing on the disease, but enabling life in the body to express itself as best as it possibly can. It's a philosophical difference from the way we look at healthcare here. Healthcare here, yes, the body is seen to be a little bit more mechanistic. You know, the body's seen to be, you know, um, bits and pieces and parts. And the body is the sum of its parts, you know, but again, the vitalistic philosophy is that there's that the body is something much more than just a sum of its individual parts, that there that there is a life force, that there is a life energy. And you know what? I can certainly tell you that there have been plenty, plenty of mechanistic scientists who have gone down this path. And the more they've researched, they realize, you know what? There's stuff we're never going to be able to determine about the body. Uh, And that's where there is. An understood and recognized philosophy of vitalism, which recognizes the body's innate ability to heal and frankly This is what people like Andrew Weil and Deepak Chopra and now the late Wayne Dyer have spoken about for many years So it's well accepted in the vitalistic sector of medicine as well Plus there's been you know, been been books written on this now for you know 30 40 50 years so anyway not ever, uh, not ever questioning my body's ability to heal itself. I just knew that it would take time. I always tell people, Hey, you know, that if for the body to heal itself, it takes two things. It takes time and it takes no interference because if I was to continue to interfere with my body, if I was to continue to have, you know, say go down the road of Jeremy Piven and continue to consume a lot of, you know, um, high mercury fish, that's probably not going to help myself. I have to eliminate whatever interference there is there and continue to just let the body heal itself so i did a lot of you know supplementation through those years you know back then there weren't as many you know polished um, detox kits necessarily you know working with my own uh, you know integrative doctors you know i did a lot of chelating agents you know so back then it was um dmsa and dmps um at times those were in supplementation forms um sometimes they uh uh, uh were uh, by prescription you know and, and again you know, I, I will say this too katie my my mom really uh you know when because my mom, um, my mom doesn't even like taking vitamins, you know, my mom is so hardcore saying like, hey, wait a second, you know, vitamins are outside in, I'm supposed to get my nutrients from my food. And you know what, I agree with her 100%. The problem is, um, a lot of the foods are depleted of their nutrients now. So she gets the fact that she has to take vitamins. But, but when when she was thinking, wait, why do I have to take like vitamins and supplements, to, you know, you know, get get, you know, mercury and heavy metals out of my system? Well, that's because getting back to your point earlier, is that yes, that is more of an outside in. Model well, yeah, like heavy metals and um, you know um, plastic accumulation in the body that is outside in. So you know the goal then is to take the most conservative steps as possible that respect the body's innate wishes as best as possible. This is where we get into now what you'd call a hack, right? So we never used the term biohacking ten years ago, but that term now pretty much means okay, what are these? Um, you know, a biohack is almost like a Jimmy switch. Like you know, what can I do? That still respects the body's great creation, but what can I do that is not so much treating a disease, but it's going beyond those basic protocols that's going to best enable detoxification in my body, or best enable my body to live in this environment that we've created in North America. So... I did a lot of, you know, supplementation or I guess hacking. I've never really called it that, but it is, you know, it is, it is a biohack to some degree. It's, you know, taking certain supplementations, taking certain, certain supplements and even prescribed supplements back then, you know, to really, you know, you know, bind up and trap mercury, get it out of my system. You know, back then it was a lot more difficult. I think there's been a lot more advanced protocols developed now. Um, but sure enough, I went in and, and the other thing too, I, I went on a very, very strict, you know back then what would what we would now call more of a ketogenic diet, you know So I I wanted to ensure that my body had the best ability to heal and I knew it couldn't have any inflammation and Therefore I needed to you know reduce sugar and anything that turned into sugar um, So this is still my advanced nutrition plan that I uh, teach to people Which is you know, I don't really call my advanced nutrition plan a ketogenic plan but in essence, you know when you eliminate grains and sugar and your higher sugar fruits Um, you're bordering on keto, you know, you're bordering on a keto diet for sure. But again, again, I don't, I don't think that, you know, um, fruits and vegetables, you know, I don't think the higher sugar fruits like, you know, pineapple and papaya and mango are a bad thing, you know, God put them on this earth. However, it is true that some people therapeutically do do much better when they eliminate those higher sugar foods from their body. And that is kind of like a hack in essence to best enable the body to heal and detoxify. So, um, I did that very, very strict for about a year and a half. I actually retested all my heavy metals a year and a half later, I had cleared 90% of the mercury that was in my system. And, and what's very important is that people are going to do a, a follow-up test with anything, whether it's a food sensitivity or their weight or, or a, or a level of toxicity. It's so important that you retest, um, I, and, and you bet you retest the same way, um, all too often I'll uh, meet individuals who will have done um, a test, but they, they don't redo Uh, The test, you know, so they find it that they have a food sensitivity to carrots, then they eliminate carrots for a period of time Well, they never retest themselves to find out whether or not they can reintroduce those things So again, if you're going to use some of these very very advanced, you know functional medicine approaches to test uh, Your body's sensitivities and toxicities and deficiencies always retest to find out, you know How your body has responded because the body isn't static, you know, the body is dynamic. It's always changing So that was my journey and uh, you know, I I really I I do not I I did not like seeing that um, Test come through Katie when it said that I was um, you know full of mercury lead thallium and nickel But it really um, you know helped I would say set me on a path to um, help a lot of other people because I thought man If I ate you know clean and pure as a kid and you know I had chiropractic care and my parents, you know Bought the best food for me and I was a vegetarian, you know for many many years if I was dealing with that boy what might some other people be dealing with? So that was kind of like one of those classic stories that people say is you know, one of your best days, but it's also one of your worst days. And I would really say in the last 10 years, I've you know really dedicated so much of my time just to ensuring that people can, again, you know, get ground, not only understand the practical steps, but get grounded in that philosophy of respecting the body's innate design and uh, abiding by it so that you know, we have the best opportunity possible to thrive. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, I love that. And to highlight a couple of things you said, I've seen some, you mentioned you having heavy metals and that you notice the same problems in your mom. And I know you've probably seen it too. There's some really interesting research about heavy metals being passed on from mother to child. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge key, like for anyone listening, who's in the childbearing years or who's considering being pregnant. that's a great thing to like figure out, you know, way before you conceive, if you have the time to do it. Um, and I know that like not to lay any mom guilt on anyone, like we always do the best we can. And there are things you can do, even if you've had a baby and you already have high levels of these things in your body. But if you're in that preconception phase, that's a great thing to do and to focus on right now. Um, I also love that you started talking about sugar and I want to go deeper here because I'm a hundred percent with you. I think there's a time and a place for every natural food, but I've noticed at least from my research, like these higher sugar fruits, like pineapple and mango, the people who live in the environments where they grow naturally tend to do great with them or even people who are in those environments because you have all these factors like the extra sun and like all these things that change your metabolism slightly. But I'd love to go deeper on sugar because it's a definitely a soapbox of mine. And I know it's one that you speak about a lot also. So to start, I'm just going to leave it with what are your thoughts on sugar?
0: Well, I think we're a hundred percent on the same page when we talk about uh foods and getting them from your indigenous sources that's for sure and and i've never felt that there's one diet for all people so i i i, I some people frankly will do better on more sugar and some people do uh better on more fat you got to look at where your genetics come from how you individually do all of the multitude of factors but but the, the the problem is this even when we look at those higher sugar foods now i'm a caucasian i my background is certainly not from a part of the earth where pineapple grows year round, you know, pineapple would be, I mean, I'd have to travel to even taste it. Um, you know, my, my genetics are probably a lot more, you know, driven to thrive upon, you know, Northern foods, root vegetables, Mm -hmm. nuts, seeds, animal products for sure. You know, so what's interesting is that, you know, when we, when we look at, and I, and I've written about this on my website, the, the, the problem is not, you know, Um, fructose when it comes from a fruit. The the problem is when we extract out any 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 of these macronutrients. You know, so I you know I my big thing right now, Katie, is getting people back to whole foods because I do think it's important that we demonize sugar. We extract fructose from corn. We have high fructose corn syrup. There's nothing good to say about it. Period. And we know that the sugar industry hid the information from. Uh, the public, and this was going on in the 1960s. I mean, this has been common knowledge now, uh, and we know that sugar is used, uh, you know, because it it's addictive, you know. So we know that the food industry uses sugar because it 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 creates that um yeah we call it the sweet spot. We it creates that spot at which you basically want more of the food because it tastes so awesome. What a lot of people don't realize is when they have like a white flour, um, you know, in Canada, those little soda crackers, they're called premium plus, but you know, even though like those white crackers, they might not say that there's X grams of sugar in there. But I mean, once you start to digest that white flour, you are dealing with sugar. I mean, it breaks down that quickly. So, you know, these people look at it and say, oh, well, it's, it's 40 grams of carbs, but there's no sugar. Uh, sorry. Once you start salivating on it in your mouth, it's sugar. You know, so people really, really have to be care, be careful with anything that is refined. You know, you actually look at, you know, sugar when it comes like, so take like, so for instance, think of corn, you know, and you know, I'm not the biggest fan of corn. We could maybe talk about that another day, but you know, you think about high fructose corn syrup or think about fructose extracted from a fruit or well, the reality is if you were having that whole fruit, if you were having a whole orange, I mean, that actually might help someone start to feel satiated. It might help them start to um, fill up because there's water, there's minerals, there's fiber, there's lots else in there. We haven't just extracted the sugar out and made, say, like, orange juice, which is never going to fill someone up. I remember I didn't pay a lot of attention to nutrition when I was in school. I just i I hadn't gone through my own health challenges yet, so I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have. but I do remember this. I do my professor saying like like, Hey, you look at that glass of orange juice, you know you're dealing with like you know four to eight oranges in there. You would never have four to eight oranges if you extract out the sugar from a source, it does create problems because we're not designed to be you know taking whole foods and extracting nutrients out of them and with like like sugar, for instance now. I also find the same problem, and I and I won't get off the sugar sugar topic, I promise. But I also find in the last number of years, going back, you know, five to ten years ago, oh, we need more protein. We need protein powder um, everywhere. So add protein to oatmeal and add protein to a shake. Well, you know, here's like, Katie, like, how's that any better? Like we're extracting protein from peas and soybeans, and we're extracting sugar from oranges. Neither one of those is a whole food. (laughs) You know, now I will admit that I have had whole food, you know, meal replacements, uh, certainly when I'm exercising more because I don't want my body to get into a protein deficit. I wouldn't say that's being a hypocrite. I would just say that the reality is it's a bit more of a hack over year over the years though. I've definitely tried to look for like meal replacements and smoothies and shakes that still fit more of a whole food balanced model as opposed to just protein, you know, or like just, just tons of sugar before I run and then just tons of protein after I lift weights. I mean, that is no way to live and it's no way to really look at like a sustainable model of the earth either. The thing that I think is kind of crazy right now is, you know, with the keto diet, everybody's just trying to have fat left, right and center, you know, so everybody's, um, you know, doing, um, you know, ketone bodies and, uh, you know, just trying to get, you know, pure fat added into smoothies and so forth. And again, I think you look at our ancestral history. Uh, no one, no one in our, no one in our ancestral background ever ate the percentages of fat the way a lot of people do on ketogenic diets. It does happen to be very therapeutic for some people. But listen, let's just get back to eating real whole foods. There's a difference between a therapeutic diet versus just living the way we're designed to live, eating whole foods. So, you know, sugar I think, you know, for for folks, the biggest thing is just don't even have it in the house, you know, cause if it's in the house, you're going to find a way to use it. You're already going to be bombarded when you go to a, you know, you, you'll go to a restaurant, they are using sugar and things you can ask around as much as you possibly can. As much as I ask the server, Hey, what, what, you know, uh, what the ingredients are of everything. I, I still don't feel I always get a straight answer. So the best thing is when you're trying to make good choices for your family is like, look what you do at home. Uh, you know, so start by having it not in the house. Um, if people are really, really hooked on sweet stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there are other options and, and, you know, we, we will, we will use on my website, which is drhardic.com. I mean, again, I keep talking about my mom, lover to death. She, uh, she's really worked hard the last number of years to help us work out like all the recipes using things like, um, um, dates and, uh, banana puree and, and, and yes, um, stevia, which is a plant-based sweetener. Um, you know, there's, there's certain, um, sugar alcohol sweeteners that can work on a limited basis that don't cause too much gaseousness. Again, they're not exactly whole foods, but people can use things like xylitol and erythritol. If they really, really, really feel like they need that birthday cake, they're not going to have the same impact on blood sugar as, um, as, uh, as, uh, as uh, true sugar. But, uh, but, but what's great is, you know, when people do start consuming less sugar, their taste buds change. And people usually go, they're crazy for two weeks. So the goal is you got to just get it out of the house, stop eating it, commit to doing two weeks with no grains and no sugar. And people will kind of go crazy for two weeks, but you know what? Two weeks later, they don't even miss it because the body just starts to get used to a new way of eating. And I have yet to meet anyone who gave themselves two weeks of getting off sugar who was still craving the stuff two weeks later, unless they cheated. And if they cheated, they still probably want sugar two weeks later, but, but if they just get it out, you know, there's start, it, it sets up a different hormonal response. They just start doing so much better and it can be done. And you know, what's amazing is like, think of all the different tastes that we're supposed to experience. Sweet, sour, bitter, salty, pungent, you know, right. And, and like, and also some of the sweetness and the deliciousness that just occur naturally occurs in certain vegetables, you know? So unfortunately a lot of us were missing out on the true flavors of actual whole foods just because we're just so you know addicted to the taste of sugar um, and then not even like letting some of those other flavors in And what's also very very interesting is you know I, I've um, you know through the years known Sayer G from green med info quite well um, he has a, a number of great articles on green med info talking about just like the healing benefits of all the foods that fit into that Bitter category we continue to see that the foods that fit in that bitter category They're all super healthy provide great benefit to the body So it's about getting a variety in there, and you know if you live this way and you do eliminate sugar. Most people do. Uh, most people do say, you know, I don't keep sugar in the house. But then I took the kids to a birthday party. Out comes the birthday cake. And you know what? My kids had a little bite of it, but then they just put it aside, right? Because they're because they've developed a different taste palette. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a couple bites of cake if the kids are at a birthday party. Um, the w- w- the problem is if if it, that if they're addicted to it because they're having it all the time. So uh, that's the thing that I've consistently seen is that when we uh you know lick the sugar habit, as the book is called, um you know the de- desire is just not there, and people realize that they feel like garbage when they consume it. So, um, that's me and my relationship with sugar.
1: I'm absolutely in alignment with you on that, and I agree. I that's my advice to moms all the time is just don't even have the sugar in the house, and I. I think you answered it perfectly. The objection I usually get is, you know, it's not balanced to raise your kids with like a really um, severe position on any food or like where you're like depriving them and then they feel like it's a treat and then they want to go out and eat it. And I think that's the key is we are responsible for what we serve in our own homes, what we put on the table for our kids. And we don't have to serve sugar here. And I, I am the same way we don't do that. But also if they eat a bite of cake at a party, it's not going to ruin all that work at home. And that also gives them a balance. They're like getting the chance to try those things. Um, but we're just not feeding them at home. This podcast is brought to you by fat fudge. If you've never tried it, this is essentially coffee meets fudge meets energy bomb, and it's delicious. Invented by my friend, Mary Shinoda, this on-the-go food is nutrient-dense and delicious. I often travel with a few of these in my suitcase for a quick breakfast or a meal if there aren't good food options whenever I'm traveling. Wellness Mama listeners can get a discount 20% off with the code wellnessmama, all one word, wellnessmama, at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash fat fudge. That's P-H-A-T dash F-U-D-G-E. So fat dash fudge. This podcast is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Humans have been benefiting from bees and their nourishing superfoods since prehistoric times. From Cleopatra using honey to keep her youthful glow, to Hippocrates prescribing propolis to cure everything from sores to bacterial infection, our healing relationship with bees goes way back. Beekeepers Naturals is dedicated to bringing the age old benefits of bee products into modern times and they offer really high quality propolis, royal jelly, bee pollen and raw honey with many other products and all of these are sustainably sourced from a company that's dedicated to protecting and improving the bee population. My personal favorites are their propolis spray, which helped me to head off a scratchy throat, and their bee Lixir mix, which is a mixture of all of those ingredients, and it's a natural nootropic that I use on busy days. You can check them out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers. All one word. Wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash beekeepers. And I love what you said about fasting and ketosis because I've seen the same thing. People who are like drinking. MCT oil or coconut oil to try to stay in ketosis and at least the studies I've seen there are tremendous benefits to fasting and to being in ketosis for as far as like cancer research and longevity but almost always, it, when it, this happened in natural populations, it went in line with a ton of vegetables because that's what they had. So it was like green vegetables, tons and tons of green vegetables, which are also estrogen binders, which also help with hormone production. They have all these other benefits. And so that's my take on keto. And I do go into ketosis quite often, but I'm going into it with tons of green veggies, um, moderate protein, and only some healthy sources of fat. And that's when I feel great personally. Um, and I think that, if anything, the research, at least from what I've seen right now, is bearing out that. The The true answer is, like you mentioned, nothing works for everyone. And the answer is variety because even being in ketosis all the time, your body adapts and it's not actually good for you. And I noticed that a while back for myself. If I tried to stay in ketosis too long, I would eventually start feeling bad. So to me, the answer that works for me is being in ketosis sometimes but then sometimes spike your carbs from natural sources and eat a couple of sweet potatoes or, um, you know, sometimes fast and sometimes don't, and don't like let the body ever adjust to it. So I'm curious what your take is on fasting for instance, and getting in and out of ketosis, but I love what you say about sugar.
0: Well, I, I mean, again, I do believe that the, that the body historically had to go periods of time without food, you know, and you know what, it was probably by design. And certainly there's an evolutionary argument to it as well about, you know, um, strength and well-being being being and beating disease Um, and there's also some spiritual principles of fasting as well but you know I, i i would really really emphasize that and i wrote two articles on my website about this i do believe personally based on what i've seen and based on what i've researched um that females in particular um should take a different approach to fasting than men. Now, maybe not say all females, but some females should take a different approach into fasting to some men. And again, this isn't to be, you know, chauvinistic or anything. I mean, this is just literally saying if, again, if you want to look at like how our bodies were designed to operate, well, you know, um, you know, women were the ones that would be breastfeeding children, you know, as you know, newborn babies, I mean, sometimes like, you know, like, um, a third of your life is breastfeeding and then the other third is sleeping, you know? So, I mean, w- you know, w- women would, we would not have necessarily been the hunter gatherers when there were kids around. So I do say that if women want to attempt with fasting, there's a few couple tweaks there. The one thing is I say, okay, maybe do a fast, but not quite as long, you know, you know if, if your body wasn't designed to be that hunter gatherer, um, yeah, do a fast from, you know, um, 7 p.m. until 10 in the morning. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be from like 6 p.m. until 2 o'clock the next day. Um, the other snacks you can do that won't spike insulin would just be um, just pure fats. You know, but again, what would that be? Um, you know, pure coconut, you know, pure avocado, that type of thing. You know, you want to want to stay away from like protein or anything with sugar because those those things can spike um, insulin. Listening to your body is so key as well. You know what I mean? It's so, so there are these little hacks here, but people need to listen to the body and see how they do, provided they give themselves a little bit of a chance, because I, I, I will say that people's self understanding of whether or not they should have more or less sugar or whether or not they should or should not fast. Um, sometimes it's so confused because the body is dealing with so much stimuli from the environment, you know So, you know, we're not sleeping enough. We have too much television going on We get so many social cues telling us that we're hungry turn off the tell You're probably not that hungry turn off the television. You know, it's the television. That's t- telling you that you're hungry You know, I mean the, the body was designed to be able to go for some periods of time without food but the body certainly can um, you know stay in that key um, that state of ketosis through food that doesn't have to be through supplementation, and I would also say this too there's a there's a, there's a, a number of arguments that some caloric restriction um actually does play a role for longevity now I'm not a fan of caloric restriction just because we have low calorie foods at every meal, but no, I mean when somebody does have two meals a day and they and it's high fat foods i mean you know, one of the arguments for fasting is you take your three meals a day and you put them into one or you put them into two. I've never seen anybody truly able to do that. Um, really there is just, you know, you are going to be restricting some caloric intake and you're going you to, you're focusing more on when you consume the foods, not what, not what you consume. Frankly, I would focus on still getting in good quality. Um, but during a little bit more of that tightened that tightened up window, but again, it's different. It's different for everybody. And I don't, and I think there's still a lot of research to emerge. I mean, I don't know if there's any one per, perfect way to fast I went to a conference last year and I was talking about intermittent fasting and, and a gentleman said to me, he said, "Oh no, I think I have it figured out. I think, um, I think the fasting window has to be 36 hours. And I thought, please don't tell me that, (laughs) you know, I'm like, cause this is just when I was starting and I was getting good at like 16 hours. But again, again, it, it does make sense to me because the body was designed to go periods without eating. And also, you know, um, sometimes we're just, we, we have, like I said earlier, we have so many of these social cues telling us that we need to eat all the time. And, uh, that really screws with our brain, but trust me, there's heavy marketing dollars behind that stuff. So that's how your body's supposed to respond when you see the colors, you know, red and blue and all these things to get your blood pressure going. So, you know, fasting, I do it. I just, uh, I urge people to, you know, monitor how they do individually and recognize that there's biological diversity.
1: Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And yeah, definitely it should go without saying, but we should say it. If you're pregnant or nursing, that is definitely not the time to fast, period, because um, you are growing a human. But I, now that I'm not in those phases of life, I've been experimenting with it as well. And I found, yeah, for women, I think just shortening the eating window, because by definition, we all fast while we're sleeping anyway. So if you don't try to just fast for days on end, but just extend that window a little bit. Um, like for me, I stop eating typically after 4 or 5 p.m. I just feel better when I don't eat at night. And that's what's worked well for me. And I think it's, like you said, it's different for everybody. And when you mentioned about the caloric restriction, the research is unfortunately super strong on that. Like we know that if you restrict calories, you live longer and you have less cancer risk. Um, but I think your your point is good that there's two ways to do that. You could eat less food or you could eat less often. And both of those have the end result of reducing calories. And personally, I think it's easier just to um, stop eating earlier at night. That's been easier for me. And just that's the busy time of life for moms anyway that at night. So it's one less thing I have to do and I can work on stuff. But I think you're so right. Finding what works for you is the key and it's going to be different for everybody.
0: And, and 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 I really believe that with any nutritional changes, again, you want as little interference in the body as possible. Now, I will say this. If people have a number of diseases, uh, if they're taking certain medications to control their metabolism as well or to control cholesterol levels or to control their blood pressure, Uh, I believe yeah, that's gonna make it harder to listen to your body because your body is being controlled by certain medications that you Have been prescribed to take, you know, so that makes it tough for someone I mean, it's very very tough for someone to listen to their body when their body is operating based on something from the outside in that is Designed to change the metabolism of their body so that does make it difficult for someone, you know, but you know, when we can clear out as much interference as possible and you start to listen to your body, even then, you still got to give yourself a couple weeks. You know, so many of us, we've just been raised to think, I need three meals a day. I need breakfast first thing in the morning. I mean, I used to think I needed a giant bowl of oatmeal. I mean, I, I, I did a heavy carb breakfast every single day of the week. And then when I thought of giving that up, never mind not eating breakfast at all, um, yeah, it took a couple weeks before my body shifted. But now, you know, I'll, I'll get up. I'll have water in the morning. I don't even necessarily do coffee or sparkling water. I just do water. And again, I realized that, no, 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 my body doesn't need as much food as I always thought it needed. But again, so much of that depends upon what you're doing, what your needs are. Obviously, um, nursing, pregnant, all of that. You have other needs that you need to listen to those. People, if your hormones are run down, if you've got a thyroid problem or, or adrenal problems, yeah. again, listen to your body. You probably need more good fats getting in the body, more throughout the day. Um, if you don't have a gallbladder, Um, That can change your uh, metabolism of fats as well. So there's so much to listen to there. Um, But uh, it's exciting stuff. I really, really think we're in a very, very, you know, great era right now. You know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you and I were talking about, this was very, very bizarre health food store stuff, like back when I was in college 20 years ago. But nowadays, it's becoming, you know, more and more mainstream. I think it was just something that I just saw in USA Today about, you know, um, splicing out the keto diet. So people, people are starting to look at this stuff that the natural health advocates have looked at for so long, and they're taking it very, very seriously, and people are seeing great results. So it's an exciting time.
1: Yeah, I think that's so key and you're so right. I'm excited for the future too. Um, I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I want to, if you still have the time, talk a little bit about chiropractic because I think it's become much more well-known, the benefits of chiropractic in the last couple of decades. And it's something I've um integrated into my life for at least the last I'd say 15 years but I would love to hear from your perspective as a chiropractor um the benefits and also if you could just touch on a few of the FAQs I often get from moms are like can you do chiropractic on babies or is it say for kids like when should you not do it so I'd love to get your take on all that
0: Absolutely I mean so the fundamental premise of chiropractic is that the body is a self-healing self-regulating organism and that because the brain runs all functions of the body and it's housed in the in the skull, it communicates to the body through the spinal cord, which comes down through the spinal column. The premise of chiropractic has always been based on identifying distortions in the spinal column that can interfere with the natural functions of the body. Uh, one of the most researched techniques um, that I think has ever existed, probably the most researched um, chiropractic protocol called chiropractic biophysics, um, based out of Idaho, uh, I can't even begin to count the number of research papers that they have put out to, I to, to correlate structure and function. You know, their, their motto has always been structure determines function. Uh, so certainly when there's distortions in the body, think of it on a postural basis. You can also think of it on an individual vertebral misalignment basis. You can think about regions of the spine misaligning. One thing I respect is that there's many different approaches to how chiropractors analyze the spine and how chiropractors adjust the spine. But the the, the goal of the chiropractic adjustment is always to relieve stress off of the spine, improve the mechanics of the spine, and therefore reduce stressors on the central nervous system and best enable the body's natural healing processes and you know that kind of really was the foundation for you know everything else that i ever learned about nutrition or detox or you name it is best enable the body to heal itself you know chiropractic um really isn't focused on treating disease you know focus chiropractic is focused on not treating the disease but addressing the person, you know, uh, uh, helping the person become as healthy as they possibly can so that they can battle and conquer whatever they possibly can by letting the body heal itself. You know, again, again, chiropractic rooted in chiropractic philosophy emphasizes that there's an innate intelligence that the body is designed to heal itself, that the body knows how to heal provided there is no interference, you know, so in chiropractic, uh, you know classically you would look to the spine and certainly there's mechanical issues I mean clearly people know that if their pelvis is twisted That that can, that can cause aches and pains in their back and can cause shooting pain down their legs I mean this is really the most mechanistic view of chiropractic that we can consider But certainly yeah, re- reducing stressors on the spine Taking pressure off the nerves that way can relieve a lot of things like back pain and sciatica Same thing for people whose necks are cranked way forward because they um sit at a computer all day long Yeah, I mean when you're 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 with if you take the weight your head and jut it forward two inches, I mean, it creates tremendous stress through the joints and the neck, tremendous stress through um, the whole spinal column really. And yeah, you need to be concerned not only about the mechanical pressure on those joints when you get into those horrible postural positions, um, but also the impact that it has on the central nervous system, which is housed inside the spinal column. So therefore, uh, you know, chiropractors have always been, you know, uh, uh, focused on improving the structure of the spine for the benefit of, uh, improved expression of the central nervous system, which really runs all functions in the body, you know? So when I was a little kid, you know, actually my father's a chiropractor Mm -hmm. and when I started working in his office, which uh, then became my office when I, uh, uh, purchased it, when I got out of school and started seeing patients myself, but even when I was a little kid, I mean, I remember people coming in not to treat their conditions, But just but but I do remember people coming in with conditions, right? So I remember people coming in with digestive issues. I remember people coming in with allergies. I remember people coming in with vision issues. I remember people coming in with headaches and you know, my father's message was never that that he could promise that the distortion of the spine was the sole cause of their digestive issues, but he always would emphasize that the body is better able to heal itself without those uh, spinal stressors which are known as subluxations that's the chiropractic term at least that it's better off without those subluxation complexes than it is with them and then sure enough we'd have people come in i mean little kids with constipation and little kids with allergies and um uh, people with, um, sciatica and people with respiratory issues. And I remember kids that used to, you know, have to use a puffer. They didn't have to use their puffer quite so often. Uh, you know, I remember even one of my first, uh, uh patients when I started incorporating a lot of nutrition. Was a guy who, um, you know, had high blood pressure. We started adjusting him, and his ah uh, his blood pressure issues went away. And I figured he started to incorporate some of the nutrition plan that I had recommended, and he hadn't. It's just that you know we know that there have been studies done on on the role of the nervous system and its and its uh, control over things like blood blood pressure. So. We do know that structure does influence function and that's where people with, I would say with any health condition, they, um, if they've, if they felt stuck, they shouldn't feel stuck until they've at least tried chiropractic. So questions related to kids. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny cause we talked about kind of my history about me being a C-section baby. Well, yeah. Like what kind of stress do you think my body went through before I could even get onto this earth? You know, I tried to come out the natural way, you know, they, they twisted and tugged, didn't work. Uh, then they had to, you know, um, unzip my mom higher up, pull me out the opposite direction. Uh, there, there is such a thing as a traumatic birth, you know? So there's a great organization within chiropractic called the international chiropractic pediatric association. The international chiropractors association also has a council on pediatrics. So there are two different organizations that do a ton of continuing education on how to address, um, you know, those slight distortions that can occur, um, on, on any of the bones of the skull um and the upper cervical vertebrae when there are traumatic births um or for babies that might have been subluxated in utero if the mom had a severely severely twisted pelvis now i'm going to give you though the the um the the contrast on this because it might be a question that you would often get is you know with babies i mean people say do babies really need adjustments well hopefully no i mean hopefully no i had a, a little baby come in to get checked yesterday the baby is two weeks old, and the mom um, has taken very, very good care of herself. and and again, I, I, I don't want to um, I don't uh, you said you, you use the term uh, mom guilt and I don't want to shame anyone. I mean if somebody is not able to exercise through their pregnancy or if they're they're up against you know some type of condition or they're having difficulty. but this mom, I would say took very, very good care of herself through her pregnancy. Um, she received adjustments every two weeks. Um, you know, she remained really, really solid with her food. The baby um flipped from head up to head down on time. She was able to exercise throughout her pregnancy, and you know what? Baby comes out and uh baby was born within two hours <laughs> now, but you know what there's it it's it's the one thing that I have seen uh, you know is that we I, we never want you know moms to feel like there's uh like a badge of honor just because you have a quick delivery, uh, but I think it is something that more moms would love if they could have one. But 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 by no surprise this baby you know popped out like a football after basically two hours the baby's head was down no there was no version process used so meaning uh, a physician did not have to turn the baby's head to lift the shoulder out there were no forceps used there was no um, vacuum extraction device I mean a vacuum extraction is a it's a vacuum suction cup that goes on the baby's head to extract the baby out of the womb if the baby's having difficulty getting out. Um, And one of the issues that we often see, and this is what I've learned a lot through the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, is that, you know, like deliveries should be, I mean, the ideal position for mom would be in a squatting position where the baby can come out with the assistance of gravity as opposed to when mom's on her back and the birth canal is 20% smaller and we're not able to engage those muscles. So certainly, you know, babies that are born when mom's in more of a squatting position, you know, the pelvic floor muscles are used to kind of push on the baby's butt, baby comes out without any stress on the baby's neck. So yeah, I checked the baby yesterday and, um, there was no adjustment, you know? Um, however, you know, the flip side of that is I, uh, you know, worked with a mom, uh, within the last year whose baby was, um, posterior. And, uh, certainly there was an attempt to turn the baby internally <laughs> before, uh, before, uh, they, uh, induced delivery. So, so that baby did has had a severe rotational issue in the baby's uh, spine and baby couldn't rotate to one side after kind of going through this birth trauma. So, so again, I do believe deep down in my heart that, um, you know, if, if we were born onto this earth without interference and then we didn't start getting into car accidents and, and we didn't start using cell phones and sitting at desks and all this, we'd probably need a lot less chiropractic care. You know, the body was designed to heal itself. Unfortunately, look what we've done to the body, including even sometimes as early as the birth process. So that's why uh, a lot of wellness chiropractors do look at babies. In fact, um, I would say the majority of wellness chiropractors do look at babies there are certain certifications where uh, chiropractors can work um, specifically to get those certifications and it's also very very beneficial we've seen to you know moms through their pregnancies as well um you know we know that larry webster uh uh he was kind of he was kind of known as like the grandfather of chiropractic pediatrics he uh he was a professor at life university for many many years i mean he developed uh, the in utero constraint technique uh, that proved to be very very successful for moms whose babies weren't flipping by week 32, uh, which is a really, really just super gentle adjustment of the pelvis that just, um, you know, relaxes things, best enables the baby to flip on the baby's own. Um, I would say a much more conservative approach and much safer than maybe some of the more manual um, uh, attempts to force a baby to turn. So I do believe that chiropractic uh, can and should be a critical piece of people's health care. And, and it's, it's part of the health team, you know. Um, uh, you know, most of my patients, you know, I I take care of a ton of, um, uh, nurses and people within the medical profession that actually consider, you know, you know, the chiropractic route to be aligning with, you know, how, how to, how to not get sick. And then we have emergency medicine for when we do get sick. So, uh, you know, uh, chiropractic has always been, um, you know, a family thing for me and I certainly take care of kids. And I think if people are looking around the country for people that they can go see, I think it's probably fair to say that uh, uh most chiropractors a good percentage of chiropractors, because obviously your audience um, um would have a lot of kids um chiropractors that generally are aligned with the wellness philosophy probably have gone to a lot of the schools that also think about pediatrics and whole family health, so um it's not too difficult to you know go on somebody's website and I mean obviously i uh, I, I, I fully endorse. Um, the International Chiropractic Association and the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, and obviously Max Living, the organization with which I'm involved. And there are others as well. And I'm sure I'm not I'm naming one or two. I'm i I'm sorry. But I'm certainly, I, I certainly know that if, if people are looking for a chiropractor who really embraces wellness, uh, you know, go to their website. And, and, I, and I believe that if there's information on there about, you know, kids and families and growing up healthy with preventative checkups. I mean, I know it sounds cheesy, but the old adage is that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, you know, I mean, it, we we certainly have seen that when kids receive uh, spinal care, making sure that their posture and their alignment is strong through their lifetime and that they're free of subluxation complexes, um, using the number of tools that we can use to identify those things. Uh, I've certainly seen kids live much healthier and happier uh, lives. And that's what it's all about. So I think, uh, you know, to to me chiropractic isn't just the profession. It's also, it really is that philosophy. You know, I mean, I know sometimes we call it like the Eastern philosophy or maybe more of the vitalistic philosophy, but that chiropractic philosophy really is rooted in the basis that the body is designed to heal itself, provided there's just no interference.
1: Yeah, such a great point. And I think this has been an awesome, like really knowledge-packed episode. And I appreciate your your time so much, BJ, for being here. This has been Really great. And I all the links you talked about, I know you have blog posts on several of the things we've mentioned. I'll make sure those are in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm, along with the link to your ebook that you mentioned so people can find that. Um, but real quick, just let people know where to find you online.
0: drhardick.com. So that's D-R Hardick, which is spelled H-A-R-D-I-C-K.com. That's easiest. And of course, it's Facebook, Dr. hardik Twitter, Dr. hardik Instagram, Dr. hardock.
1: Easy enough. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Katie. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I will see you next time on the Healthy Moms Podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.